turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 today. Acts chapter 16, I want to tell you a couple things. Some of you, you pull up your Bible on the Bible app, and, and we welcome that. We're good with that. In fact, we encourage you to share things on social media during the message and tag us, and that's great. But in your Bible app, there's a little section that's called More. If you click on that and you go down to Events... Uh, you'll see Radiate Church pop up, and uh, all the notes for today are actually sitting right there in the Bible app, so you can pull those up and follow along. You can put your personal notes in it, save the plan, uh, and it's actually got a reading plan that, you, that goes along with today's message as well right there in the app. That's something new that we're trying to see uh, how it goes. The second thing is this. Ashley mentioned this. I need to talk to this. This is very near and dear to my heart. You Matter Week starts next Sunday. And I know some of you don't know what New Matter Week is, so let me explain it from my heart for a minute. When we started Radiate Church, there's a few things we decided we were going to build this church on. And one of them was being a part of the community, not just in the community. And so we decided that we were going we to do everything we could to always serve. We were going to serve at all times. So we do things all the time throughout the year, but there's one time of the year where we take seven days and we ask anybody. We started this right after we started the church. Seven days to where we ask anybody that calls Radiate Church home uh, to go and sign up for a serving event during the week, at least one, uh, but we've got several. Somebody told me earlier between experiences that they've signed up for two um, to serve our community together as a church and make a difference in the name of Jesus and expand the kingdom of God in that moment. And so you can go ahead and sign up for that in the Connect Center. Ashley said we've got somebody that's been waiting. She didn't say this part, but they've been waiting 12, I think it's 12 years or something like that for a wheelchair ramp to be built onto their house. And we're stepping up and saying, you don't have to wait anymore. We're coming next week and we're going to build you a wheelchair ramp. That's doing something in the world, right? Things like that. She mentioned the Ronald McDonald House, and I thought about this. I, don't, uh, I think my mom's in the crowd in the, in the back in the dark or something like that. I don't know. But when I was going through my heart stuff and I was in ICU as a 23-year-old man, do you know where they tried to tell her to go stay? The Ronald McDonald House. Do you know why? Because it's a place for families to stay when their child is in the intensive care or in the hospital and they don't know where to go, what to do, or what's going to happen next. And so it gives them a place to stay, and, uh, and, and I just want to tell you, like, I have a heart for that stuff, because it just, it, it, that was my family, man. That was my family that was staying there, and it just means a lot to those parents whenever they walk in, and there's, there's a hot meal sitting there that they don't have to go pay for, that they probably can't afford to begin with, and it means the world to them. And so I just want to invite you to just go sign up for You Matter Week. There's so many opportunities. If, if you f couldn't text the number or you can't stop by, um, go on our website, radiatechurch.net. It's on there too. Sign up this week so that we can do that. We kick that off next week in a very special way. You'll want to be here for that as we equip and empower you to go make a difference. And the last thing is, welcome to the 1130 experience today. Woo! I want to ask you to do something. I asked some people in the 10 o'clock to pray about moving to the 1130 this morning. And here's why. We've been adding three or four rows of chairs every service in the 10 o'clock. Uh, to, to accommodate all that. And so I want to ask you to do something else. I want to ask you to take it as a personal endeavor to grow this service just like that to where we have to keep adding rows of chairs. And then we'll figure out the rest from there. That's a good problem to have. So I want to invite you and ask you this. Would you take it as a personal challenge to grow this service in an exponential way so that God can do something amazing in this service? And I want you to pray about that. Grab some invite cards and do what you can for there. Now, are you ready to hear what God's going to teach us today about loving people to life? Come on, somebody. Acts chapter 16. 
How many of you guys like steak? Anybody like steak? We got steak fans in the house. It's okay to be loud about that. That's, that's okay. So I, I went to a, uh, a pastor's retreat uh, that, that somebody put on for us and, uh, not too long ago, and we get, we get to this cabin, and uh, as we're there, we're getting there to pray, and really, uh, you know, spirit of prophecy hit and all this stuff happened, but before we got into all that, we, before we filled our spirits, we had to fill our bellies. Anybody with me in the room? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You stop by McDonald's on the way in or Bojangles. And so we got there, and I walk up, and it's me and my wife, and we walk up to the door, and here's the first thing they ask us. They said, hey, and then they said this, would you like chicken or steak? I believe that question is going to be asked when we walk into the gates of heaven. I'm just going to be real honest. I believe Jesus is going to be like, well done, good and faithful servant. Would you like chicken or steak? And I'm going to say yes. Right? Because I, I've gotten on this thing this year, and it's because of some of the people that, um, that, that I've, I'm taking to, to lunch to learn about them or something like that, that I'm finding a lot of people like steak, but I'm finding that steak is different everywhere you go. Anybody? Right? Y'all with me, right? Like, you can get the same New York strip, medium or medium rare, however you want it, at different restaurants, and it tastes different depending on the restaurant you're at, Right? So I usually get medium or medium rare. Some of you guys like it so raw that, that it's like it's still grass in it. It's disgusting and weird. And then some of you like it so done that you could throw it against that wall and it'd bounce back. And I'm like, there's rubber, you know, bouncy balls you can cut in half and eat and it tastes the same way. It's ridiculous. But I like mine about medium, medium rare, right? right? And, and so I'm learning the steakhouses that, that can cook my steak right. And I went to a steakhouse not too long ago at that same event. I went to a steakhouse, and it was lunch. So I was like, give me the cheapest thing on the menu, like the cheapest steak lunch menu. It wasn't very expensive, and I got it. And, y'all, it was amazing. This place was great. But the thing was, uh, a couple weeks before, I went to a steakhouse, and I had to, like, to pull out a chainsaw to cut it up. You know what I'm saying? But this one, I could cut it with my fork. I didn't even need the A1. The other one, I was like, bring me as much A1 as you can possibly bring me just so that I can get this down my gullet and I can eat, right? And so it depends, but here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm learning. What I'm learning is some steakhouses, some chefs, some restaurants can pull the flavor out of the steak better than other places. You know what I'm saying? Like some places, it's like you are a miracle-working God. Some of you are like, that song was about my favorite steakhouse. Here's, the, here's what I'm learning. I want us as a church to be a place to where we pull the flavor out of people. To where when people wake up in the morning in Kershaw County or in Richland County, somewhere around us, and they're like, I think I need to go to church today. We go, hey, I, I, they go, hey, I want to go to Radiate Church because there's something about the people there that pull the flavor out of people better. They love people to life. They make a difference. They just love them. I, I don't always agree. I don't even, let, the pastor yells at me a lot and like challenges me a lot. But here's the thing, like, I just need to go there because they pull the flavor out of people. I want that to be our church. About four of you agree with that. By the end of the message, the rest of you will. And we need to be a church to where we just pull the flavor out of people. And can I tell you, can I tell you, hear me, your call, my call, our call today, our call in this life is to pull the flavor out of people. You're like, what the heck does that have to do with anything? Here's what it is. Every single person that was ever created and has breath in their lungs and blood in their body right now, walking this earth, God placed in a seed of purpose in their life, and it's our job to do everything we can to make that seed grow up into a fruit-bearing tree in their life to receive their purpose. 
to receive their promise, to receive what God placed them on this earth for. And here's what we got to know is there's one great way that we can do this. It's one word. It's a five-letter word that we have to grab a hold of. We have to understand. We have to grasp this one word. If we'll grasp this one word and the meaning of it and how to live it out, I promise you, you'll change your world. How many of you guys are ready to change the world today? Burst energy drink in the store, right? I'm ready to change the world. Here's what it is. You ready? You ready? Honor. Honor. You know what I think our society's missing today? Yeah, yeah, pastor is missing Jesus. Okay, maybe. You know what I think our culture's missing today? Yeah, respect. Respect's another word for honor. I believe the biggest thing we're missing today is honor for others. Honor changes everything. Honor changes it all. Honor pulls the flavor out of somebody. Honor isn't just an action. Honor is a heart posture. Honor is loving somebody, the ability to love somebody at the level at which they're gifted. But often, often, if you're anything like me, sometimes in our lives we love people at the level at which we think we should be gifted. And here's what I mean by that, right? Many of us think that we're gifted and that's fine, but I don't need to be gifted too much because I'm a mess up, I'm a screw up, I deal with anxiety, I deal with depression, I deal with insecurity, I deal with this, I deal with that. So God, you obviously haven't called me to very much. And because we think that, now we treat everybody else the same way. And now we're not honoring people at the level of the anointing that they have. We're honoring people at the level at which we think. Come on, let's get deep. And so because, in, in fact, Jesus says it like this, love God. Love others. He says it like this. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. I was in a conversation, and I was talking to somebody about this very topic, uh, I think a week or two ago, and I told him, I said, maybe the problem is we do love others like ourselves. We just don't love ourselves. And so I treat you like I treat myself internally. I want you to think I have confidence, and so I put on all this stuff to make you think that I've got it, but when it's just me and myself and God laying in the bed, head on a pillow, I hate myself, I don't feel like I'm worthy of the calling, I don't feel like I'm anointed enough to make a difference in this world, and now that insecurity bleeds out on everybody else. Because I'm not walking in anointing, I'm just walking in insecurity. And so maybe where we are in this life, or no, not maybe, where we are in this life is honor has got to rise above to where we go, I know you're called, I know you're appointed, anointed, equipped, and empowered to make a difference in this world. I understand all that, and so I will treat you at the level of your anointing, not at the level of my thinking. I will treat you with honor, I will treat you with love, because here's part of the thing. When we treat them as anything else, I just got to talk about this for a minute. We allow them to become common. And when their anointing becomes common, we can't receive anything God wants us to receive from it. Because after all, it's just so and so. I think back to when I think about honor, I think back to when Jesus went to his hometown. It says that he did not do many miracles there because of their disbelief or dishonor. Here's what they saw. They didn't see the savior of the universe walking into their hometown. They saw the man that kicked the, the soccer ball through their window. Oh, you're just Jesus. You just played soccer with my son in the street in front of my house. But he's walking around going, no, you don't understand. 
I hold the power to open blind eyes. I hold the power to call a Lazarus out of the grave. I hold the power to allow you into the kingdom of God. I hold the power to change your marriage. I hold the power to change your economic situation. I hold the power to break the anxiety. I hold the power to break the sickness. I hold the power to heal the woman that has the issue of blood for 12 years. I'm not just another man. I'm the savior of the universe. But because he was so common, he couldn't change their life. And so there was no honor. That's, that's a great example of what honor looks like. And honor is a heart posture that loves people to a higher level. It brings out the best in them. Here, here's, here's the thing. Like I want to tell you this, just this thought today, that if your closest circle isn't loving you to be better, then they're not loving you at all. Pastor Travis said something so powerful in last week's message that I think we got to grab a hold of. And I'm going to preach a series on it one day. But here's the truth. The truth is, is that we all go, hey, man, iron sharpens iron. You know, we're just two brothers getting together. Just, yeah, just. <laughs> right. I go to my life group and it's, oh, this and that. Oh, iron sharpens iron. Here's what we miss. Iron doesn't sharpen iron by going with the grain. It's friction that sharpens a blade. But we're in a society that runs from friction. Let me run from friction. Let me run from tension. Let me run from a challenge. You can't talk to me like that. Why not? I'm trying to make you better. I'm trying to make you better. If we run from friction, we'll never get better. We'll never get sharper. We'll never become anything that God asked us to be. Because, And many of us don't know how to do that because we don't let God do that. God, hey, here's what, here's what we do a lot of times. Hey, God. You know what? I want to be better, but here's the real deal. I just don't want to go to hell. And so don't you dare challenge me and create friction in my life to be a better husband. Anybody? Better father, better friend, better servant, better follower of Jesus. Don't you dare challenge me to put my finances under submission to you because they're under submission to me. I work for it. You don't. Don't you dare challenge me to do those things. So we, we, we want to love each other to life, but we have no idea how because we haven't even allowed God to love us to life. God, keep me from hell, but don't you dare challenge me to be better than me. A better me. Don't you dare challenge me to be a better me. Don't you dare challenge me to get rid of these thoughts. Don't you dare challenge me to, to, to read about you more. Don't you dare challenge me to serve in my church. Don't you dare challenge me to do this and that. Because here's the truth. We love comfort. But great things are rarely accomplished in comfort. Great things are accomplished in an uncomfortable situation most of the time. And so if you want to do something great for God, if you want to love others to life, if you want to be loved to life, can I tell you, we've got to get out of a comfort zone and into an uncomfortable zone. We've got to embrace, embrace uh, uncomfort or discomfort if we're going to watch God do something better. And so in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40, there's a story in there. One of my favorite stories in the world in the whole Bible is it's about Paul and Silas. And I'm going to skip through some of it. So go read 16 through 40. It's amazing. But I'm going to skip through some of it because there's some things in this story that we can learn from Paul and Silas about how to love others to life. And I don't know about you, but it's, the Bible tells me that change comes through the hearing of the word of God. And what that means is I usually need to perk up a little bit when the word of God is spoken, because that means I'm going to, I'm about to get better than I was before. Let me read to you verses 16 through 18. It says this, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us 
who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling, following after Paul and us. She kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Verse 18. uh, She was continuing to do this for uh, many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. (laughs) Praise God. I'm in good company sometimes. And turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. I want you to pay attention to this in those few verses. Paul did not speak to what she was doing that annoyed him. He spoke to the spirit that was binding her. Can I ask you this thought? Are we speaking to the bondage more than we're speaking to the actions? Because one is a spiritual battle, the other is gossip. One is life-giving, the other is sin-living. If I speak about their actions more than I speak to the bondage about them, I'm engaging in a gossip of sin. And here's the truth. We, we hide it like this. Y'all, I'm going to loosen y'all up because y'all like, man, this is guy real. I'm going to loosen you up because here's how we do it. We're like, hey, I just need you to pray for so-and-so. Can you just pray for her? Yeah, sure. What's going on? Fifteen minutes later, you've heard about every negative thing that's happened in her life, but you've never, you haven't celebrated one thing that God has done in her life. And now we're blaming God for the gossip that we just engaged in for 15 minutes. And then when somebody says, you probably shouldn't have had that conversation, here's our response. Oh, she just told me I needed to pray for her. Sometimes you need to be like, shut up. You ain't trying to get me to pray for her. You're trying to tell me her business. Y'all like, get out my face. Friction creates growth, right? And so we're in this thing, and, and I love how, how the story goes. It says that she was walking around behind them saying, they're the servant, bond servant of the Most High Lord trying to get you to, basically trying to get you to come to, to the kingdom of God, right, and doing all these things. And you ever been in a situation where, for like, for the first little while, it really don't bother you that much? Like, something can happen over and over, and it's like, all right, I can ignore that. But then on, say, hour seven or day two, You're like, if you don't get out my face, I am going to clothesline somebody here in just a minute. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to lay hands, and you're going to catch them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, for me, here's one of my pet peeves, right? I hate this. I'm going to let you into my circle for just a minute, okay? I hate, Doug, I cannot stand it when people repeat themselves over and over and over again, right? So we'll be driving, and, and, and my wife, she does it just to get on my nerves. That is marriage right there. Just let me just get him fired up just for the fun of it. We'll be driving, and she's like, man, I'm so hot. And so I just lean over. I don't say anything. I don't need to say anything. You know why I don't need to say anything? Because you're sitting three feet from me with your face turned toward me saying it. Of course I can hear you. So I just lean over, and I turn turn it up a little bit so it's blowing a little bit more two and a half minutes later i'm so hot oh my goodness i'm gonna die so i turn it to a little bit colder this time still don't say anything maybe that's my fault 25 seconds later i'm about to throw up oh my goodness i can't take this i heard you my god i heard you you think it's hot in here hell is hotter than that can't, can't stand it. Gets on my nerves. Y'all know we, how many parents we got in the room today. Let's just get real in this thing, right? Parents in the room, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say this. You ever ignore your kid because you don't want to say no, but you know you can't say yes? 
You know what I'm talking about, right? You'll be walking through Target, and they, they got 74 of those stupid little LOL dolls that don't even do anything. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got a little girl. You know what I'm talking about right now. Or you got 75 Nerf football, son. You don't need it, right? So we're walking through, and they're asking, hey, can I get this? Oh, I love that. Can I have that? Oh, I just wish. And it's over and over. And you give them the side eye. you like, Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? All the parents know what I'm talking about. You give them the side eye and you keep walking because you like, you don't want me to respond to that because I'm going to hurt your feelings. If I respond to that, it's going to be no. But I can't say yes because you have 794 of them and you don't need any more. And so you just keep ignoring. Can I have that? Can I please have that? Or you tell them no Netflix right now. I just wish I... Can I watch Netflix? I just wish I could watch Netflix. Over. And oh, This is counseling session. Thank you. Over. And over and over again. And finally, you just look at him and go, I heard you, and you can't have Netflix for the rest of your life. You'll be 96 years old before you can watch it again. Y'all like, Pastor, you need help. (laughs) That's parenting, right? That's just life. And so you get in, I can imagine how Paul felt in the moment. She said, day after day after day and I can imagine this conversation this going on like Silas is next to Paul and he's going Paul you got to do is wink at me man I can take care of this it ain't even got to be me we got 17 guys back here that they said they will never even know you ain't got to know a thing I can take care of her right now he's getting annoyed you see you ever seen somebody get so mad the, the ears turn red I can see Paul just get his, it's just she don't get on my face I'm a I'm a But here's the thing, in the annoyance, he never turned to her and said, hey, you're really getting on my nerves. I can't believe you're saying that, doing that. You've been following me for days. Get out my face. Go away. He looked at her and said, the thing that's binding you needs to leave you because there's something deeper that's plaguing you than what you're doing to me. Here's why. Paul had a posture of honor in his heart. A posture of honor creates a lens that moves from me to we. And Paul knew that it wasn't about her annoying me. It was about the bondage she was walking in. As we talked about two weeks ago, as we talked about somewhat last week, there is always a deeper battle going on that is beyond the surface. Are we talking more to what may be binding them or are we talking more about what's annoying us? Because one is right, the other is wrong. We will write people off because of what you said about me, but we'll never pray for what may be binding them in their hearts. What if what they're saying about you is an overflow of a bondage that they're walking through because of something that happened to them? And if somebody, hear me, if somebody doesn't step up and speak to the bondage, they'll live the rest of their life in bondage, get to heaven with unfulfilled potential, people will die and go to hell because the people they should have reached will never be reached because nobody stepped up and cared enough about somebody else to speak to the bondage. Pastor, I never thought about it like that. Most of us don't because most of us just look at it and go, you're getting on my nerves. Leave me alone. Block, mute, whatever on Facebook. Get out my face. But what if there's something deeper that's going down? What if there's something deeper that's happening? And we need to learn to, to be in that because most of us, most of us go to reaction rather than rescue. Most of us would rather react to somebody's action rather than rescue them from spiritual, spiritual bondage. Let me give you this thought real quick. It's going to come on the screen. The people that bother me or bother us 
have just as much potential as I do. Think about it. Who is it in your life that bothers you? Nobody. I love Jesus. You lied. <laughs> I know you go to your family reunion. You sit at the kids' table so you don't have to sit next to Uncle Ricky over here. Because you know if Uncle Ricky gets started, you ain't got no time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just know. And so you sitting there at the kids' table. You eat and you, they like, come over here. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to talk to Brody. He's eight and he's got the world figured out. <laughs> Hamstrings killing you when you get up. The people that bother me have just as much potential as I do. What if I treated them with the same love that I want to be treated with in my potential, in my mistake, in my mess up, in my hurt, in my pain? Loving people to life is looking past their actions and into their promise. If you go to verses 19 through 21, it says something. I'm going to stop on verse 19, but... It says, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. It's really interesting, it's the wording there. But when her masters saw that their profit was gone, there are people in your life that would rather you stay in bondage than be freed to a higher level. Here's why. Because at that moment, they profit from your bondage. Because if you get freed from the mentality that you've dealt with your entire life, they have nobody else to complain to, gossip to, talk about, and nobody to make them feel better about their life. Can I tell you, most people stay at the level that they're currently at, not because they don't want to grow, but because they don't know how not to be controlled by somebody else's bondage. What are you talking about? It says, they were upset. Their hope of profit was gone. They would rather her have stayed in bondage to a dark force than to grow to a higher level because they profited from her frustration, from her hurt, from her bondage, from her pain. Who's, who's profiting from your bondage? Who's profiting from your pain? Well, if I, because most of us think this. Well, if I start doing this, this is what somebody else is going to think. Congratulations, they now are profiting from your bondage. I can't post these kinds of things. I can't live this kind of life. I can't do this kind of thing because what if, what if, what if, what if is an indicator that there's somebody that has profit over your bondage? Who, who's profiting from it? And then on the flip side, you got to embrace the good with the bad, right? On the flip side, when you begin loving other people to life and they start getting free and you're calling out of them what God placed in them, there are people that will drag you into the courtyard in front of everybody else and let everybody else beat up on you, talk about you, make up lies. I'm getting on something. Make up lies about you, hit you in the face. They will, make, they will allow them to flog your character and your reputation. Why? Because you're trying to help somebody else. Don't get discouraged by that. It's just a part of the process. They'd rather them be bound in bondage than for you to love somebody to life. It's a mentality of this. It's a mentality that if you try to do something good, and typically it's not that they're mad at you, it's that they're mad that they're not bold enough to step up and do it themselves. We're going to see in just a minute where the very ones that pulled him into the courtyard are also the ones that walked him out of jail. Because they love people 
to life. Let me give you this thought. It's going to come on the screen here too. We can agree, disagree and still love each other. Please write that down and tell everybody you've ever, you ever meet, I can disagree with you and still love you. This needs to be heard all across the world. Because if I, if I agree with everybody I come into contact with, guess what? I'm just meeting a bunch of robots. We don't have the same political views. We don't have the same spiritual views. We don't worship the same. We don't pray the same. We don't serve the same. We don't lead the same. We don't do things the same. So stop comparing yourself to everybody else when you don't know their story. You don't know their story. We can disagree and still love each other. In fact, I'll put it like this. The test of honor is disagreement. The test of honor is disagreement. Let me put it like this. When we're in school, we got school teachers and administrators all over our congregation tonight, I mean today and in the first service. Every week we have them in here. When you go to school, put yourself back in those little desks for a minute. You got tested. And why did you get tested? You got tested because the teacher needed to see where you were on a certain subject at a certain time at a certain place in the teaching curriculum. Why? So they could find out if you're ready to go to the next level. Most of the time when you're given a test, the teacher is quiet. In fact, I used to get in trouble because I couldn't stay quiet no matter what. I know, it's hard to believe. I understand. I'd be sitting there not even talking about the test. I'd be like, hey, did you see Full House last night? Y'all remember that? Full House. I'd be sitting there. I'd be talking about anything. Hey, I like your shoes. They're awesome. Teacher would be like, quit cheating. Oh, I'm not. I just want those Nikes. Right? But when God gives us a test and is quiet, we get mad. It's not that he's punishing us. He's trying to see, are you ready to go to the next level? Are, are, is your honor at a level to where promotion can take place? Testing always lets us know if we're ready for the promotion. Most of us want the promotion without the test. Hear me today. There is no promotion without a test. There is no next level without a test. There is no growth without a test. Tests happen because they got to know, are we ready for the next level? Disagreement is a test for our honor. What, what, if, what if God sent a hater in your life to see how you treat him? Because didn't God say what you do to the least of these, you do to me? What, what, if, what, if, what if there's a hater in your life because God wants to see, how are you going to treat them when they show back up? What, what if God gave, what if God, hear this, what if God gave you a prosperous season to trust you or to test you to see how you treat it? Are you treating it with kid gloves because you're worried about everybody else? Or are you treating it with stewardship and with love? Because if you steward it, I can trust you with more. If you don't, if you blow it, I can't give you more. Any, anybody in the room today, is this helping anybody? We can disagree and still love. Let me give you this, this in, in, as we move into the last thought. <clears throat> it's amazing what happens. So he's thrown into jail. They're thrown into jail. They're shackled, they're shackled to a wall. The door's closed and locked, and there's a jailkeeper standing there to make sure that they don't escape, don't get out, mainly because the doors could easily be opened and escaped from. So there's a jailer there. I've been to some of those prisons. It's really crazy to see. And the jailer's standing there, and he's doing his job. And you know what his job was? His job was to keep you in prison. His job was to keep Paul and Silas in prison. 
And something happens that as they are in the jail cell, they have such a posture and a heart of honor and appreciation, not just for others, but for the Lord. Can I hear you? A, a love for others does not come by any other way than through the Lord. If we don't see everybody as his kids, then we'll see them as his possessions. And I'll treat them as such. But he begins to sing, I exalt thee, or whatever it is. I don't know in that day what their hymn was. But it says they begin to sing hymns or praises to the Lord. An earthquake takes place. The jail cell opens up and they begin to walk out. As they're walking out and they're in the cell, the, the jailer begins to take his own sword and take his own life. Because if he didn't, then the king would. And he already knew that and he was about to fail. So he might as well go ahead and kill himself instead of have the judgment and the persecution on him from the kingdom. And before he could do that, Paul says, hey, wait a second. Stop. And he begins to have a conversation with the man in the midst of his turmoil. And in the midst of his turmoil, he looks at Paul and he looks at Silas and he says, tell me about this God that you speak of. And they tells him, leads him to the Lord. He prays a prayer of salvation, gives his heart to the Lord. He says, they immediately went and found a body of water and he baptized him. In other words, this man was so captivated by the forgiveness of God and the love of the Father that he had to immediately show everyone externally what had just happened internally. I have to follow the same thing Jesus did. He got baptized because there's something powerful that happens when I'm dunked and I'm washed clean. Some of you today, your next step is to say, I've never been baptized, I've never meant it, but today I want to because I'm ready to mean it. If that's you, we got everything you need. You can do it in the Connect Center after service today. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Listen to me. He baptizes him. He comes out. Here's the thing. Honor releases you from your prison and them from theirs. Dishonor invites other people into my prison. Dishonor goes, hey, I'm insecure leader. I'm an insecure person. Everything I've been through in my life has created a prison for me to live in. I need you to come sit with me. Honor goes, here's the door. The door's wide open. I'm freeing you from, I'm freeing myself from my prison by loving you, but I'm going to free you from yours too. You don't have to walk in bondage. In fact, spirit leave her. You would be amazed at the freedom that would take place in people's lives if we'd start looking at people and going, spirit leave her. Spirit leave him. Walk away from that insecurity. Walk away from that addiction, that anxiety, that power, that depression, whatever it is if we started speaking to the bondage. Honor frees us from our prison and frees them from theirs. Honor, you can read verses 35 through 39. It's in there. I don't want to get in it because I know what time it is. I want to go baptize some people and shout and celebrate more than I did a victory yesterday. I want to celebrate a victory in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. But here's the truth, man. Like, honor doesn't have prerequisites and expectations. Honor doesn't go, hey, John, man, I'm going to love you and honor you as long as you do this. No, that's honoring your stance. That's a business transaction. That's not a heart posture. They honored the Lord. They honored people. And what ended up happening was they were freed from jail. And then the key, chief magistrate, the top man, said, release them from prison. Put them back into the town. They looked. Paul had this response. There's no way he said that. And they, the, the jailer was like, he said it. And Paul said this. If he said it, tell him, the one that threw me in, to come in here and walk me out. Favor follows honor. Honor is not done with expectations. Honor is done with a heart. But whenever we have a heart of honor, God blesses with favor. 
The very ones, hear me, that walked him into the courtyard to get flogged, to get beat up, to get torn down, to get abused, and to get thrown in jail, the very one walked him back out of the prison and into the town square. Why? Because favor follows honor. Can I be really bold to say this today? Some of us have been praying for a favor in a situation, and it's not God blocking it. It's your dishonor that is. Well, Pastor, I love my authority. I don't even care about Take authority out then. I'm talking about everybody else you meet. The way I talk about them, the way I talk to them, the way I talk through them, the way I treat them. What are they doing that's annoying me that I'm speaking to the action rather than the root? You with me today? Is this helping anybody? Favor follows honor. In fact, favor being a heart posture in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Write that down, go watch it or read it this week. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says that the Lord looks at the heart, but man looks at the outward appearance. What if we're putting so much work on what we look like to everybody else that we've forgotten the heart? My Bible also tells me that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart lives. The life, the heart is the wellspring of life, Proverbs says. So I just want to tell you today this. We're going to change the world. I don't know if you know this or not. This church is going to change this community. This church is going to change the school district. This church is going to make crime rates go down. This church is going to build wheelchair ramps for people so they don't have to wait 12 years. This church is going to change workplaces. This church is going to change marriages. This church is going to change kids. This church is going to change the world. My question is, does it start with you? This church is a movement. This church is leaning into the presence of God. This church will be something powerful. The question is, does it start with you? And it doesn't start by going, yeah, I love Pastor Brandon. I love that. I need to hear that. Y'all, I get, I wish I got the amount of encouragement most people think I do. It's not, I love you. It's not because of that. It's because, no, I got an honor for people. I got an honor for God. I love what he's doing in me, what he's doing in you. This is my county. I take responsibility. I used to be a zombie. Now I fight them. I watch death go, and I watch life come. I go from the grave to the cross. Hey, my God, I have been restored and redeemed. Little old Pentecostal preacher getting it up here. Will you stand to your feet with me today? Because I just, here's what I know. There's some ways. We just need to walk out. I don't, what's my next step? Your next step is when you take a step out of those doors. But every person we encounter this week, we have an opportunity to love them to life or death. It's our choice. It's your choice. You get to do what you want to do. <clears throat> Another way, y'all are going to think this is self-serving, but I'm just in a spirit where I don't care today. Grab an invite card and look at somebody and go, I'm not just inviting you to church. This card changed my life. This card changed my marriage. It changed my parenting. It changed my life. It changed everything about me. I need you to come and meet the same God I met and the same people that I met because there's something waiting for you. He's going to change your life. He changed my life. He changed our lives. I need you to come and be a part of that. And here's all I'm going to pray right now. And then... 
if you pray and accept Jesus into your heart during this, just go by the Connect Center and tell them, I'm going to pray and release this because we got people to go baptize and shout and celebrate today. John's going to tell us a couple things when I'm done. Here's what I'm going to pray over you, that every person we encounter this week, every person we encounter this week, we love them to life. I don't care if it's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't care where it is. We're going to love people to life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, we honor you in this house. We are yours and you are ours. We are your kids. You are our father. We honor you no matter the bondage we're walking in. God, help us to love people to life. Help us to walk in a place of freedom and joy with you. God, I pray that right now we give out more invites than we've ever given and look at people and don't just invite them to church but say this is going to change your life. Welcome to Life Change. God, I pray that right now in this moment we would change this county. We would change this town. We would change this school district, these this, this county sheriff's department, whatever it is. Crime rates would drop. God, poverty levels would drop. Everything would go down unless it's with you. God, we want to love people to life and bring out their flavor. We honor you. We praise you and worship you. Make some noise if you believe God's going to do something.